Hey everyone, and thanks again for tuning in to this podcast. Can we all just agree here that this guest list is stacked? I think so too. So if you're interested in being a part of helping to build this podcast and the future of consumer product marketing, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Would love to hear from you. As always, if you have additional feedback for the show, you can reach out to us at podcasts at sharebird.com. This podcast is in partnership with Sharebird. Sharebird is a peer mentoring platform. It's a place to discover on-demand resources and help you with your product marketing career. Quick plug, I landed my first product marketing role with the help of Sharebird. So the community and network and resources work, I promise. This week, I got to chat with Adam Weigand, the group product marketing lead for consumer products at Coinbase. Coinbase is the hottest crypto company out there right now. But what I'm most excited to share with everyone is the skills needed to take a subject like crypto that can be quite confusing and even nerve wracking to some and create narratives and product education that help not only consumers, but the world at large understand how it works and the magic of cryptocurrency. So let's dive in and get a behind the scenes look. Hello everyone, it's your host, Meredith Davis, back again with another episode of Behind the Scenes Consumer Product Marketing, brought to you by Sharebird. I am committed to giving you a behind the scenes look at some of the most notable product marketing launches led by top players in the space. This week, we're going to get a behind the scenes look at the hottest crypto company, Coinbase, and all the inner workings of what it took to launch their newest product, Coinbase Card. Coinbase, for those who might not be as up to speed, is the easiest place to buy, sell, and manage your cryptocurrency portfolio. And more than 35 million people in over 100 countries are now using Coinbase. However, while crypto is becoming more and more mainstream, it can be a totally black box to some. So one of the questions we're going to dig into today is how the hell does a product marketer create messaging and positioning catered towards not not only people familiar with crypto, but also those who are curious, but maybe novice. It takes a whole lot of insight gathering and experimentation. And to help give us a behind the scenes look at how this is done, I'm here with Adam Weigand, who is the group PMN lead for consumer products at Coinbase. Adam is not only responsible for driving adoption and growth for all Coinbase retail products, but is also building out Coinbase's entire product marketing function. So really excited about today. And with that, Adam, it is so great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me today, Meredith. Great to reconnect. Adam, I got to admit that before recording this episode, I did have to do some light reading on Coinbase's learning page. I have absolutely no shame, but I wanted to make sure I was using all the right terms. And I feel like I'm good to go with crypto, Bitcoin, and blockchain. That is a fantastic starting point and good timing because we just launched that feature in December, a brand new learning hub for people who have no experience with crypto, some experience with crypto, or are a crypto expert. It's for everybody. So I'm glad you've been reading, doing your homework, and maybe question back to you, do you own any cryptocurrency, Meredith? 
I don't, but I am really interested in starting to dabble. My okay. partner has some, I'm interested. I'm curious. Okay. We'll see if we can push you over the edge here today then. I'm <laughs> yeah, I think you just might, but honestly, it's so great to reconnect. Serious shout out to the Uber PMM alumni network. I love having PMM friends in high places. Yeah. There's a lot of us out there in the world these days. So I'm glad I can make it back and really looking forward to our chat today. Awesome. So you just joined Coinbase a little over six months ago now. And I wanted to know, what is the number one question you get from friends and family now being in the crypto space? Is it how the hell does crypto even work or how much Bitcoin do you have? Yeah, I'm glad you asked because this is obviously a very timely question during a period of heightened awareness and coverage around crypto. From friends and family, I think it's still, what is crypto? What is Bitcoin? It's the same questions that a lot of consumers are asking. So I take a cautious approach in how I answer those questions, of course, and try to encourage people to read up and form their own opinion. But there's a lot of great resources out there for the newbies, the new to crypto audience, the crypto curious, as we like to say. So my advice is just to continue reading those resources, gather inputs from multiple sources and form the best decision for you personally and your family. But it's an exciting time, no question, just given the heightened awareness. And we're super excited to take advantage of that and sort of capture lightning in a bottle in some ways. I love that. I definitely feel like I identify with the crypto curious. And okay, so asking for a friend here, how would you describe cryptocurrency to someone who doesn't quite understand it fully? So I think in its purest form, the best way to think of crypto is the first alternative to the traditional banking system. Call it money 2.0. It's a new kind of cash that is native to the internet, which gives it a potential to be the fastest, easiest, cheapest, safest, and most universal way to actually exchange value that the world has ever seen. You've probably heard of Bitcoin by now, which you did mention, uh, the first cryptocurrency to launch back in 2008, and by far the most influential, biggest, and well-known digital asset in the world. Crypto makes it possible to transfer value online without the need for a middleman, like a bank or a payment processor, which we're all used to today in our daily transactions. This allows value to transfer globally, instantly, 24-7, for low fees, all underpinned by the secure technology called blockchain, another buzzword, which I'm sure you've heard a lot about. (laughs) The list of trans of transactions, right? Exactly. So <laughs> cryptocurrencies are usually not issued or controlled by any government or central authority, which makes it inherently different from the US dollar that the mint prints. Uh, they're managed by P2P networks of computers running free open source software. And what's great about it is generally anyone who wants to participate and has an internet connection is able to do so. And as I mentioned, I think a great way to sort of dive into some of this content is to go to coinbase.com learn and check out all of the great articles for first timers to really get familiar and immerse yourself in the world. So there's so much content out there. We've done our best to streamline it, make it easy to consume in snackable sizes. Uh, So you can really feel confident by the time you make your first investment. Yeah, I really must say I loved my experience on the learning page. It truly was like a bite-sized pieces of content in a streamlined way so that it flowed nicely to my understanding as it went through. So awesome. Okay, now that we're all on the same page, I wanted to ask you about your journey into product marketing because everyone's is so different. And what's interesting about yours is within an inherently generalist role, you've actually found a really interesting niche in consumer-facing financial products. You were at Uber for four years, specifically focused on Uber money and Uber payments. How did you create this niche for yourself and what excites you about this type of product marketing? 
Well, as you mentioned, like many others in this space, I've had neither a straight nor narrow path into the kingdom. <laughs> I think a lot of us can relate to that experience and that's what makes the function so unique. Someone For me, once I actually, told me it was a create your own adventure role. Oh, absolutely. I could not agree more. For me, I actually started my career in PR, then shifted over to the marketing agency world where you really have an opportunity to wear many hats from account management to creative strategy to marketing strategy. And that's where I really found my sweet spot at this intersection of user insights, competitive intel, design, and product development. I didn't truly discover PMM until at my last agency when I was working closely with PMMs as my actual clients. And I got a chance to see what the role encompassed in the day-to-day. So I enjoyed the proximity to both the product and marketing disciplines. And this eventually led to an embedded contract role at Google, where I got to cover a lot of different pockets of the business on a rotational basis over the course of a few years. So really got to know the ins and outs from a company who does it better than anyone, arguably. From there, I was introduced to Laura Jones, who you know, Meredith, through a mutual friend, who is just starting the PMM org at Uber. Uh, That's where I spent the last four years, as you mentioned, working in partnerships and payments before making the jump to Coinbase last summer to take on a leadership role and help build out the PMM role at Coinbase. So a lot of exciting times ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And with your prior experience at Uber, what knowledge do you feel was easily transferable versus areas that are completely unique and different with cryptocurrency? I think my four years at Uber without question were hugely influential in developing my understanding of the modern internet economy and how it interacts with legacy financial systems. And with that, how often consumers are actually left with fear, uncertainty, and doubt, FUD, as we like to say, around their access and ability to participate in traditional financial services. I think another key learning from that experience was getting the understanding of how fragmented the access to those financial services could be depending on the geographic context, something that the crypto economy is actually uniquely positioned to overcome. I'm sure we can all remember our first Uber ride and how magical that payments experience was at the core. Get in, get out, get on with your day. But that experience is actually still a long way from achieving parity around the world. One anecdote I enjoy sharing to give people more of a global perspective is that even as of the middle of 2020, nearly 40% of Uber's trips globally were still being paid for in cash. That's That's so surprising. Physical cash. It really does take people back. It's another data point, though, in just a long list of proving how underbanked much of the world still is in the present day. So a lot of fascinating anecdotes to take with me in that experience. But I think more importantly, what I've tried to port over to Coinbase in the present day is a deep understanding of customer needs coupled with socioeconomic context and how those can be applied to build and design better products and experiences and for us, messaging. So people feel like they're a part of that process. So part of that means having a continuous feedback loop with your customers. It's something we talk about a lot, but are you really investing in it enough is a question you should ask yourself. And for me as a product marketer, that means facilitating incredibly strong relationships with UX research, product design, and continually carving out time for those conversations with users. I think that there is truly so much magic. I even hear the magic from you in when a product marketer can truly connect with customers. And I think that finances is such a pain point and a struggle, like you said, fear and confusion and being able to help people understand with products and services is such an amazing opportunity. So thank you for giving us that lowdown. And I want to take us back a little bit to last October when you unveiled 
unveiled Coinbase card for the US. And this was the first time that customers could start seamlessly spending crypto and earning crypto rewards. But way before even being able to launch, I know that your team was working on gathering tons of research insights and conducting user research. What were some of the key insights that you found that led you to eventually launching Coinbase card? Great question. And I think foundationally in this journey, it's important to start with the question, why a debit card? First and foremost, why this product? And it begins with a very foundational insight for us at Coinbase. The number one reason users withdraw funds from their Coinbase account is to spend. And they overwhelmingly do so on recurring bills or daily expenditures like groceries, not too different than how we spend money out of our traditional bank accounts, right? right? We also noticed customers withdrawing money mostly using a traditional debit card attached to their primary bank account. No big surprises there. But this process is cumbersome as it exists today. It takes three to five days on traditional banking rails before the funds are ready for you to spend. And realistically, who wants to wait that long for their money? <laughs> right. no, no one. The instant gratification of debit card speeds we knew creating a more efficient loop for customers to access and spend their crypto was a core user need. And if we could reward them at the same time for spending on that card, even better. So once we knew a debit card was the right product to focus on, we could begin to dive deeper into the actual card program construct to really start to test benefits, design a compelling suite of rewards and options that really resonated with customers. And those benefits became a few things. Number one, rewarding everyday purchases, which in my experience in card products is super key to influencing the categorical spend that a user has over time. Uh, multimodal spending capability. What I mean by that is being able to spend the card or use the card online, being able to go into a brick and mortar retailer and swipe at the point of sale. And then of course, in your mobile wallets like Apple Pay and Google Pay, no annual fees, a lot of customer feedback around fees, low transaction fees for converting crypto to US dollars behind the scenes, which is really the Coinbase engine making that happen. And then finally, security and safety, which is obviously already core to the Coinbase experience to begin with. And then a unique dedicated support line unique to Coinbase cardholders. So those were the suite of benefits that really resonated that we got a lot of feedback on and became the market entry point for us. And when you say that you got a lot of feedback on this, who do you feel like are the customers for Coinbase card? I think that there is this group of early adopters, and I guess they're not even considered early adopters anymore, but you're familiar with crypto. And then you have the crypto curious like me, who is the target demographic here? It's a good question. And I, I think it's something that is continuing to evolve, to be honest with you. But for the purpose of rolling this out and really hitting that top of funnel awareness vector to get people to pay attention, I think it's people who are already in the crypto economy, who already have funds in a crypto exchange, but are looking for just a little bit more. And what I mean by that is think of it in the context of a supercharged financial account. A lot of us have checking and savings accounts where we are either earning no cash back or a tiny fraction. APY on our savings account. What's great about the Coinbase card is it really supercharges a lot of that. It allows you to earn more on the activities you're already doing in your normal financial life, just in a slightly different context. The other nice part about the card from an audience perspective is everyone kind of knows about Bitcoin now. And if you're earning crypto back rewards in Bitcoin, it's a great way to diversify your portfolio, add a new investment pocket within it, and really just sort of see what happens and let it ride. So there's a lot of user insights that are yet to be gleaned, to be honest with you, Meredith. We're very much in the first inning here, but excited to see how this customer profile evolves down the next quarter or two. 
I mean, that's why we love getting a behind the scenes look because this is, we're, we're listening and hearing the story as the train is moving. So it's incredible to get this behind the scenes look. And I think so, I want to talk about the messaging here for a second, because in my experience in helping delivery partners at Uber understand their earnings on the platform, so many people are left with fear, uncertainty, and a lack of understanding like we chatted about before around finances, which ultimately leads people to not participate or to not re-engage. So is this something you thought about when you were building out the messaging for your initial launch? Absolutely. No question. We could not position this as necessarily a inherently crypto product. We really had to tie it back to the user mindset around traditional financial services. And for card products, debit or credit, that's inherently baked in everyday spend and earning rewards. So we knew those were key elements. No big surprises there. I think our feature request research showed that existing users of Coinbase were already inherently interested in a debit card product. So we had an opportunity to differentiate our product in particular relative to all of the debit cards and credit cards in the market, because of crypto rewards, a particularly unique angle unique to Coinbase. So I was fortunate in the messaging development process to have a fantastic partnership with my PM who was super leaned in on developing the core positioning and messaging pillars for the card. And we spent a lot of time on the benefit hierarchy, which I mentioned earlier, but always keeping customer needs in mind, focusing on the use case of spending crypto, converting crypto and earning crypto rewards. I think the buy coffee with crypto byline that you'll So brilliant, by the way. (laughs) Exactly. We just have to bring it back to some of those core use, use cases that I mentioned of everyday spend, what are some of these relatable purchases that people are doing daily that we can tie back to the crypto economy and make it just more approachable for people? The perceived lack of uh, real world utility is a barrier we talk about often at Coinbase. And it actually keeps people away and it sort of scares them to make their first investments. Like, what do I do with this? Can I use it? Is it just, <laughs> a, store of, is it just a store of value? Like, what, what is actually the inherent benefit? So the more we can tie this back and make people comfortable that it is still part of the global financial services experience, just in a very unique pocket of it, the better chance we have increasing engagement and inviting people to this crypto economy. Yeah, yeah. I think that talking about simple, clear, direct messaging that allows products to stand out and break through the clutter of all of what I think customers and consumers just get bombarded with these days. Buy a coffee with crypto is such a key message because not only is it relatable, but it helps customers truly understand the value prop and differentiator. And I just think it's so brilliant to have come up with. And I think a unique angle for us from a marketing perspective moving forward is we will have that categorical spend data that I mentioned earlier to really flesh out more messaging use cases as they are actually happening. So I'm excited to kind of dive into the weeds on some of these future spend use cases to really suss them out from a messaging standpoint to make it feel relatable, achievable, and just something that people are inherently interested in. So lots more to come on this. As I mentioned, we still have so much more to learn, but starting with something so foundational in the daily use case category really is an advantage for us from a starting gate point. And you also mentioned how fragmented access to financial services are depending on geographic context and of course, many other factors. How did you think about this in relation to crypto economy in positioning the card as well? It's a good question. I think card products are unique in that they aren't ubiquitous everywhere. 
Right. And I think as we think about scaling out the Coinbase card program to multiple countries, it, it's something to consider. I think for the U.S. demographic in particular, which was the focus for this launch, it was relatively straightforward. The familiarity and the use cases are there. What we were able to supercharge is the rewards structure. So the more that we can position the product around the cashback, quote unquote, mindset, even though in our case, it's crypto back, right. uh, <laughs> we're heading in the right direction. Encouraging people to use this card on a daily basis, which to be truthful, isn't inherent to the Coinbase experience as a traditional crypto exchange. So inviting customers to engage with us every day, I think is a key part of that positioning as well. And a card product is a great Trojan horse, so to speak, to get people to engage at that level. So the more we can encourage that daily interaction, the daily spend use cases, all of those things sort of blanket the overall positioning for the card, I think at the US level. And we'll have to go back to the drawing board, no doubt. I think when we think about emerging markets, when you look at card penetration rates, and see how these local economies are engaging with the crypto economy, it's still super fragmented and we still have a lot of work to do there, but I'm ready for the challenge. I think it's always fun to dive into these positioning exercises when the audience is completely different than what you're used right. to designing for. And that's the inherent joy sometimes of being in a global role and having a global product. So really looking forward for that challenge. We just haven't gotten there quite yet. Right. And not only was there a challenge within the messaging and positioning, but I know you also worked on the naming and branding of Coinbase card, which is always fun. And for those who haven't seen the Coinbase card yet, it's solid blue in the company's colors. How did you determine or even work with the branding team or creative team on the overall imagery for the launch? Yeah, it's a good question. You can go a million different directions here. And this should be one of the funner moments right. to work on from a marketing perspective, given the partnership with brand. And, and to be honest, you know, I leveraged a lot of my previous card program experience here, having launched debit and credit cards at, at Uber, being at the press check level of designing card art, I think really helped me here. So I came into this process midstream when I joined the company, there was already some concepts that were done. I weighed in with a few things. I think number one, you can go down a lot of different paths relative to color, card weight, and the elements that you're putting on the card. There are some legal requirements given that we're still building a financial product. We're partnering with Visa in our case to develop this product. So we had to adhere to some brand guidelines. I don't we even want to know how many emails <laughs> went back and forth with legal and, and Visa. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. But there was definitely some moments where you feel like you're still in a meeting that is in circa 1967, <laughs> talking about traditional financial services and asterisks and all of the bylines and the footers. and They're faxing you like over some, exactly. some paperwork Which, to sign. Exactly. And that's what's so ironic in some senses about working in crypto is like we're working in this future state, but a lot of the legacy financial services infrastructure is still catching up to that's us. That's fascinating. So, yeah. Super unique. So I think in the case of design, a couple of things I recommended against were having a super light colored card, for example, for a few reasons. Number one, if you think about our the US consumer use case now of inserting your card into a point of sale device or swiping your card or taking your card in and out of your wallet or your purse, that really actually adds to the stress of the card. It starts to break down the color, break down the material. And that happens in day-to-day -day use cases. So I wanted to ensure that we were thinking about that. Granted, the COVID world has introduced us to the contactless revolution. So we're heading in the right direction in terms of being able to tap your card or hover your card over a point of sale device. So not as big of a deal. I think in the end for us, as we went through concepts, we felt that the Coinbase blue was more ownable and distinctly Coinbase than going in, say, a multicolor direction or a single color direction that wasn't blue. And we thought that it was one of those rare moments for a inherently digital brand like Coinbase to have a physical presence. And these opportunities are pretty unique. 
So owning that Coinbase Blue was something we all sort of gravitated to and aligned with, and we knew it would be physically and instantly recognizable in that space. So that's kind of the, the journey we took for the actual design of the card. And what's interesting is that when I think of crypto, I think of darker colors, grids, like futuristic state, and the blue is inviting. It's welcoming for people who might not necessarily be as all with it with crypto. So it definitely does bridge that gap between the future state and the today, which is really nice. And kind of along with the sleekness and simplicity of the design, the naming of just coin base card is very direct and functional versus you could have gone brandy and aspirational. Walk us through how you thought about the naming process here as product marketing really does own the naming. Yeah, great question. And when you look at the debit and credit card ecosystem out there, there's all sorts of examples of people going in one direction and the other. I think generally we knew we wanted to avoid the advantage, double diamond, sapphire, gold rewards card. Like we didn't want to get down that path. I think if you look across the consumer Coinbase product portfolio, you'll notice we've historically followed a deliberate functional approach to naming. As we've talked about already, there's enough educational barriers to overcome in crypto. We didn't want to create another one artificially. So avoiding the abstract was a good choice for us. As it relates to naming process that we still did engage in tackling the framework and I'll share it here today. I follow a super simple one and it's a series of a couple of questions that really facilitate the naming jam that you'll have with your PMs or designers or marketing managers. First question, who is the target audience for this name? Second question, should it be abstract like Snapple or descriptive like PlayStation? Should it be long or short? Are there existing brand naming conventions we need to keep in mind, like Apple using I for everything? And in the case of Coinbase, for us, it was functional, a functional brand name convention. Should it be a real world, a word like Old Spice or a new word like Google? Should it support a master brand like Doubletree by Hilton or be able to stand alone like Tide? This framework is super simple, something I would encourage everyone to adopt. A lot of times naming exercises can be polarizing. There's often oh, yeah. a difference of opinion in, in every part of the process. It's hard to get alignment. Sometimes just going to uspto.gov and seeing what's trademarked helps eliminate <laughs> a lot of that. So hop a pro tip if you're ever looking for an elimination path for names that you don't like, I, I highly recommend that. But it's never easy, but agreeing on a framework often cuts out a lot of the noise of getting down the agreement path in decision path. And I think, as you said, bringing stakeholders along, even if it does kind of build tension between names, it does still allow for that communication and, and strong feedback loops between the teams. And with that, talking about the launch strategy, because that also takes not only a village, but every team in the organization to come together and launch a product. And what's interesting is that the launch strategy that Coinbase took for this product, the announcement of the car that came before the availability. And as a product marketer, how did you determine that the coming soon or waitlist approach was the best way to launch this product as opposed to launching one of their available? It's a super interesting question because I think as product marketers, we galvanize around these big launch moments and you want those launch moments to be an acquisition event or an engagement event or some way to drive adoption or usage. And in this case, it's never an easy decision, right? Because you work for months and, and weeks and long nights and you're developing all this collateral and you're building excitement. And then you go on launch day and you have to tell your customers like, JK, it's not quite available yet, but come on down. There's the wait list. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's kind of a unique challenge. 
challenge, but let me try to pencil out the strategy here for you so it's understandable. I think there's a, a few things from a product marketing perspective that made sense for our waitlist approach. Number one, we could ride the positive market momentum and higher levels of platform engagement with Coinbase to generate excitement and front load user consideration. So as I mentioned at the top of the call, we have a lot of interest in crypto right now. We launched around the kind of early to mid stage of the latest bull run. So we took advantage of just heightened attention towards Coinbase from our existing users. Number two, we effectively acquire a user list by introducing a waitlist. You enter your email, we have you on the list. And from there, I, as a product marketer, can actually deep dive into the data and start looking at segmentation based on existing customer attributes. For us, that means trading activity, assets on platform, and just general engagement levels with Coinbase. So that allows me to use those attributes to make UX tweaks with my product design partners, refine messaging, and fully prepare for a broad rollout when we're ready. And then finally, with a waitlist, we can actually gate the number of users who become eligible for the product, allowing us to observe usability behaviors, as I mentioned, get customer feedback in real time that makes the experience even better as more people gain access. And again, this is where agility with data and being able to distill insights in real time becomes a product marketing superpower and can truly influence the product roadmap. So those are a couple of reasons why, from a product marketing perspective, I think it made sense for the waitlist. We are looking forward to not being in a waitlist stage. <laughs> that's, you know, that's inherently where the gold starts to be discovered. But those strategies made sense at the time, but really looking forward to making this broadly available for customers very soon. And it also allows you to, like you said, you have all of their emails and you can start sending them product education moments so that they become familiar that when they open the card and they get it, they are super excited and aware of how to use it. So that's an interesting perspective as well. And I know that the Coinbase card launched in the UK and Europe before this. Were there any learnings or experiences from those launches that helped influence the strategy for the US? Absolutely. I think first and foremost, the European team did a fantastic job standing up this program in record time. So our hats off to them. They actually partnered with a third party company and partnership to get this out the door as fast as they could to get it in customers' hands. With that though, there are some inherent challenges. Number one being it's not natively integrated into the Coinbase experience. There's actually a, a separate app you had to download to manage the card. What's great about the US launch is it's natively integrated into the Coinbase experience. All your preferences are managed within the native investing experience in Coinbase. So we knew we wanted to make that design and UX much more palatable for people. I think that was probably the biggest learning. I think another one is thinking about how rewards can be shipped around the world. There are inherent legal challenges, partnership challenges for presenting a rewards card for everybody. The EU card does not have rewards. It's just right now kind of a way to move crypto more freely between fiat currency and crypto. But we're looking forward to potentially making rewards cards more available. We'll take that as a case by case, market by market basis. Got it. And so you're trying to tell me that not only are you managing these massive launches in the US with the Coinbase card, but that you're also working to build out the product marketing function at Coinbase. How the hell do you manage it all? <laughs> it's, a, it's a great question. In short, I'm not. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm doing doing the best you can. Yeah, I'm doing my best. It's been roughly six months since I joined. So it's been a wonderful experience so far. You and I talked offline about how galvanizing the moment is right now in crypto and how consumer awareness is at an all-time high. So it really is a great time to be building the path forward from here. I think there's a couple of key things that I've been doing sort of in my early days. And I think one of them is building trust with the product organization. 
to better understand where we've been before my time and where we're going from a project roadmap perspective. So a lot of my early days were spent in conversation with product leaders to understand where those unique opportunities were for PMM in particular to have an impact and close those gaps. And what I found was the marketing organization at Coinbase is a relatively new muscle and it needed to be toned. So many of those early opportunities revolved around getting the marketing fundamentals right, like better understanding our audience, who are the segments and activating some of these low hanging fruit opportunities like increasing the cadence and activity of our owned marketing channels. So I also wanted to sort of come in and establish the PMM function such that PMs knew they had another strategic partner to include as a value add further upstream. And I think this is where a lot of us have challenges is getting further upstream in that product life cycle yes. to better have impact on the roadmap. So establishing those relationships from day one has been super critical. Also the cross-functional partnerships, those are critical as well. I work every single day with research, design, data, legal, PR. So ensuring that you have strong relationships there really makes life a lot easier. So those are some of the early observations and in terms of just establishing footing, building trust, and ensuring that we're heading in the right direction. And you're trying to do all of this remotely, building trust and getting product marketing into the life cycle of a product earlier in the funnel. What are some of your tips for those who are ramping up to new companies or starting PMM functions remotely? Yeah, that's a great question. There's no silver bullet here, and it's definitely a unique time to be changing roles or building teams. I think we're all starting to adapt a little bit better than maybe we were in the end of the first quarter of last year. So I think it's finding ways to communicate through traditional and non-traditional channels. We're still trying to find our footing for this in a lot of ways. It's easy to just stick to Slack all day long and respond to things, but having virtual coffees, having virtual walk-in talks where we actually get outside and, and dial in on a phone, believe it or not. Those are some easy ways to just break up the monotony of staying in the same space all day long in, in your apartment or your home. So we're experimenting with all sorts of things. I think it's for us in product marketing, I think giving people the context that Coinbase has shifted to a remote first environment is often an early indication that they're going to have freedom in where they choose to live, where they choose to work. So we're still experimenting with the best ways to display that strategy. But it really has been interesting to for me to, on the recruiting trail to talk with people from all walks of marketing life to understand where they've been, where they're coming from, and what they want to pursue. So lots for me to learn still in, in this category, but definitely excited about where we're headed. And in thinking about building out a product marketing function, and you've now been in the thick of it for over six months now, what are some potential things that you would do differently next time around or areas that you really think you nailed? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think from my experience at Coinbase in particular, I think a lot of early work has been focused on overcoming some of the legacy marketing structures that really didn't map well to the product's work at a product-led company uh, and some of the technical debt related to that overall structure. Uh, so overcoming that has been a challenge and really focusing on that has been a challenge. But the good news is there's been a real sea change over just the past few months with a renewed focus and investment in marketing. And importantly, a unified understanding from leadership on the value it can drive for the business. So going back to establishing those relationships, I think that's been super critical. In terms of what I would do differently, I think one thing stands out in particular, and for me, it revolves around our MarTech stack. 
and making stronger and quicker business cases to invest in this area. As I mentioned, we had a lot of legacy infrastructure that needed to be improved, updating existing tooling or integrating third-party services. Those are all decisions that have a cost basis, whether human or otherwise. So lots of considerations to take, but it really does expedite your ability to ship. And when you start as a new marketer, there's a reason for it. They wanna see results fast. So if you don't have that infrastructure to move fast, you're gonna be in trouble. So I'm still overcoming some of those things. I would make some decisions a little bit quicker on say, integrating new CRM technology or being able to find new ways to engage with customers faster and get learnings faster. But we've overcome some of these things already. Uh, there's always gonna be inherent challenges there, but we're confident in where we're headed, which is really exciting. And I think that's so important for product marketers to remember that if you're coming in and really starting a function, you really, I think a lot of times the go-to is just to move fast and get a launch out the door. But sometimes it really is taking a step back and looking at the infrastructure and saying, how can you move faster, even if it's not necessarily going to be in the next 30 days? So I love that suggestion. And we only have a couple of minutes left, but I did want to ask you, this is a consumer product marketing podcast. We're really focused on the consumer side of product marketing. And time and time again, we hear that we are the voice of the customer. And I wanted to ask in a short description, what does that mean to you? That's a great question. Yeah, I think being the voice of the customer, it's a product marketing cliche. When yeah. Any sort of- <laughs> Need a rebrand? Yeah, we might. Yeah, we might need that. <laughs> I think it's important to remember that we are often customers of the products in which we're building marketing experiences for. And don't forget that. Leveraging your own experience as a consumer often can go a long way, depending on the context. So really getting into the weeds of dogfooding the experiences that have direct impact to your customers really gets you inside of the mind of a customer. Again, as we discussed earlier, that continuous feedback loop is really critical and don't shy away from inserting yourself into that more often. You don't have to do research just once. You could do it two times, three times, four times on the same subject to really refine how you go to market with any particular component of a launch. So don't be afraid to be wrong when you don't get the voice quite right. I've really had a good time engaging with this tool that we call GSS to get real-time feedback from customers. And I use this now for evaluating content of emails, evaluating content of home cards embedded in our app. So there's no use case that is not appropriate for that sort of form of feedback. So just going back to the well and continuing to have a steady stream of insights is, is really important, but don't neglect your own experiences and how much those can influence where you go. And in the next five to 10 years, where do you see the future of consumers interacting with cryptocurrency? Oh, wow. That's tough to predict. It changes so fast. It, it changes every month. We're at the very early days of the crypto economy, and I'm looking forward to Coinbase being a, a critical provider in a lot of different experiences. I can't tell you exactly where we're going to go, but know that there's a lot of exciting opportunity to continue developing experiences that people are already familiar with, but connecting them back to the crypto economy. I think you're going to see a lot more investment from legacy institutions. You, you can read about that right now in the I think you're going to see a lot more interest from consumers as the market remains strong, but we'll see where it ends up. It's really no one knows. That's also the beauty of it. It's a very unpredictable category, unlike say CPG, where you're riding the wave of consumer interest or, or habits. There's still so much we don't know, which makes it a super unique time to be involved here. So I don't know what I don't know at this point. And admitting that is kind of the first step of understanding what the possibilities are.
So that we'll is see. just, it's so exciting. It's an incredible time to be in crypto. I'm so excited for this new, not so new role of yours. And I know that your team is growing at Coinbase and specifically on your team. And I think for product marketers who want to be in a growth stage company and to, like you said, being okay with the unknown and launching zero to one products from the ground up. If people are interested in learning more about opportunities, can they connect with you and where can they connect? with you. Absolutely. Yes, we are scaling the product marketing function at Coinbase in rapid fashion. We have a few new team members starting in just a few weeks time, which I'm super excited about. We also have a B2B side of the house for product marketing that manages sort of our institutional relationships. So there's opportunity on both consumer and B2B product marketing. But absolutely, if you're interested, you don't have to be a crypto expert. Let me say first and foremost, I certainly was not when I joined the company, but I did leverage some of my financial services experience. As I said, it's still very much day one. So we're looking for a variety of experiences to come in and shape the future of the crypto economy. So absolutely, please get in touch. Find me on LinkedIn. You can email me at adam.wigand at coinbase.com. Uh, I would love to get in touch with the best and the brightest minds as we continue to scale this function out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Adam, this has been so great. You have convinced me I am going to go forward, get myself into Coinbase. I'm excited. Everyone, thank you for tuning in and we will see you all next week.